On paper, you'd think this was going to be one hell of a train wreck. But then you listen, and you realize common sense doesn't have a party, an ideology, a stereotype, or a color. Can we be united again? Stick around, and we'll prove it. This is Doc in the Block. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doc in the Block. I'm sitting here with the greatest music producer of all time, Big Block Spencer. How you doing, Block? Scott, how you doing, man? Y'all know me. It's your boy, Big Block. Ryan Sideways, my brother, the number one orthopedic surgeon in the world. My brother, Scott. How you doing, baby? I'm doing awesome. Uh, I see Malik's killing it up at Michigan oh, State, man. Man, he's doing good, man. He's back. I was saying, gonna start this year. He would have started last year with a shoulder. Yeah, he knocked his shoulder out. He's doing good. And I appreciate you for putting it back in the game, putting it back together. I'm saying sitting to be her album is finally done. Yeah. You know I'm saying it's, strict, it's, just, it's strictly marketing and promoting from here on out. Yep. You know, so time, time to go, baby. Beautiful. He got, yeah, he got my, my daughter's first album all up and running and ready to go. Yes, so sir, man. Sydney B. I am Sydney B. Yeah. Yeah, I am Sydney B, man. What's her album? Beautiful. It's called Beautiful, man. It's called Beautiful. So if you guys yeah. want to go out online at all of the uh, outlets where you can pick up music. Uh, well, the for- single out right now, Beautiful is out right now. The album will be out shortly. Nice. Yeah. It's yeah. all done. I'm very proud of her. She man, had the I best too, music man. producer in the world. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens. Yes, sir, man. Yes, sir. So today I have one of my favorite people on the planet as our uh, guest. Man, it's my brother. It's my brother. Captain right. Dorian Gray of the Atlanta. I'm sorry. Saying, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right. An APD, no, Captain Dor- Captain Dorian Gray. Look, uh-huh. I'm going to redo that. That's a good thing about editing this thing. I have one of my favorite people in the world, mm-hmm. Police Chief Captain Dorian uh-huh. Graham. That's right. Who's joining us today? That's and my guy. Uh, he is an absolute big timer. One of my favorite people in the world, Captain. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Doc. And I'm Police Captain. That's right. So. <laughs> Police captain, what's the difference? Well, our chief is Chief Sherbaum, and he's one of the greatest chiefs uh, that Atlanta has ever had to come through here. So I don't want to take his title. So, oh, he didn't you know. say chief, did he? I thought I said captain. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, he said you said chief one time. It's oh. fine. <laughs> well, we know you're Captain Dorian Graham, but most importantly, yeah. you're a big timer. And right. I got the opportunity to meet you when Block introduced us a couple yeah. years back. Uh where I really got introduced to the police athletic league, which you were running at the time. And I was just so blown away with how awesome that facility was and all the work that you did uh, and, and are doing with uh, at risk kids. Mm -hmm. And we really developed a relationship. And I remember thinking to myself, how have I been in Atlanta for 20 years? And I didn't know that this existed because you guys are doing God's work, taking care of these kids. And I've known since we started the Doc and the Block podcast that we were going to have you on the show because you're the ultimate big timer. Yes. And watching what you're doing with these kids is really what inspired Block and I to to, yeah. to take this show on and and to develop the Big Timers Foundation. And mm-hmm. it, you know as well as anybody, what we're trying to do is reach these middle school type kids. You know, they're they're at an age where they can choose two different paths: the good path and the bad path. And we want to make sure as many of them as possible get on the good path. And we want to show them how to be successful in this world. And it's by engaging in proper values on a daily basis, honesty, integrity, accountability, courage, hard work, uh, being kind to other people. And what we've been doing is we've had guests on the show that are famous, some not so famous, Mm -hmm. successful people 
that all have uh, several things in common. Number one, they all have struggles. They all have things that try to keep them from achieving their goals. Uh, but the other thing they have is the refusal to quit. You know, they, they soldier on through tough times. And what we want to do is show people, show these young kids that no matter what you're going through, you can get through it. And I want to hear about uh, your, your story and how you got to where you are. Uh, you're currently uh, serving as a police captain yeah, cap- in the Atlanta uh, Police <laughs> Department. And you've had a lot of different hats. You started as a beat cop and you worked your way all the way up to the top. Tell us about, tell us about how you got started uh, in the, in the Atlanta police department and, and what gravitated you towards uh, helping these at risk kids. All right. Well, I, I want to start out by saying, I really thank you guys for having me on. Um, it has always been a pleasure of mine uh, to be amongst you guys. And um, I've always been excited as far as pal went, Everything that you just said was very, very important, but it was one word that really, really made me really, really be excited about being over there, and that was exposure. Uh, That's what helped me um, throughout my life was exposure. I I was able to be fortunate enough to have a grandmother in my life, and she exposed me to a lot of things. uh, Even though I grew up uh, what is formerly known as Simpson Road, it is now Joseph Boone, uh, but my grandmother, she um, lived over on West Lake, which was a little bit better area. And she exposed me to a lot of things by taking me out of town, um, introducing me to the, the airplane, introducing me to the Amtrak uh, rail system. So um, I was able to get exposed and I was able to go and meet other people and uh, see how other people lived and that kind of thing. So when I went over to PAL, I just I wanted to expose those kids because I knew those kids had limited resources. So it was big for me. And that was my number one priority. So when I got over there, I was the first one over there to introduce a lot of those kids to even flying on an airplane. I was the first PAL commander to take kids. I took them to Washington, D.C. on a uh, youth uh, summit. So that was my biggest thing is it was exposure. Um, and as it relates to um, my uh, growth within the police department, I was always big on being in leadership and I'm always big on teaching. And the only way that I felt that I can get my voice across was to uh, take the exam, which means I had to study the law and make sure I perfected it because at the end of the day, I was out here and I was dealing with people's uh, rights, their civil rights, and I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. So what I did was I studied and then I just took the test and then I progressed up the chain and then here I am now. And if you do good work, people will see your good works and then you'll benefit from the good works. So... I don't want to. I don't want to cut through through the headline here. That that story about you taking kids. I want to say it was like eighteen kids. You took up to Washington D.C., put them on a plane, nice hotel, nice restaurant to expose them to that experience. But you did a lot of that on your own dime, you know. And that was just out of the the kindness of your heart. And I just remember you telling me that story and thinking to myself, "This is a really good man who's uh, you know engaged in his his uh, city." Uh, and trying to be a positive um, influence on the kids in that city. Tell me about that. I mean, I know you're a humble guy and everything, but you know, a lot of you and your colleagues do a lot of this with your own resources out of your own pocket because you just want to give back to the community. That's what I want to hear about. Okay. Well, I will say I can't take credit for doing it out of my own pocket, but what I did do was I partnered with the Atlanta police foundation and the Atlanta police foundation is an organization that raises money 
Um, and then they actually have uh, youth events that they raise money for as well. So I tapped into those resources. And I also used to be out kind of pounding, pounding the pavement myself, mm-hmm. uh, trying to uh, get together the PAL board, get together other resources so we can raise money so we could provide funds for these children. But on the flip side of that, uh, we, we did used to spend some of our own money as far as feeding some of these kids, uh, clothing some of these kids. Uh, sending some of these kids to the movies, uh, providing additional entertainment. So we did do that. But the trip to um, uh, Washington, D.C., that was based on all uh, funds raised through the community and with the uh, help of the Atlanta Police Foundation. So, Cap, where you find these kids from? Like where they come from, the neighborhoods? They just walk up on you like Where did you get the kids to, to do that at PAL back there? Like where do the kids yeah, th- These kids are uh, in the neighborhood. They are at in, in the uh, at-risk uh-huh. um, underprivileged communities uh, throughout the city of Atlanta. So, so you know, I'm from the hood too, you know, I'm from Atlanta, you know, you know, I'm from Kirkwood, you know, you know, you know, you from Simpson road. Now coming from, the, you know, coming from where we come from and being taught, what we talk, what made you, I mean, what made you want to be a police officer? Like what made you want to just stand up for it? Uh, you, you guys might have to edit this a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, well, you know, you know, well, <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> well, well, I always kind of uh, like helping people. Okay. Um, um, and I, I, I saw police riding up and down the streets. You know, uh, in the summertime they were riding in the pretty cars with their windows up, and uh, in the wintertime they was riding around with the windows up in, in the heat. And I saw some of them look good in their uniforms and. Uh, I saw how the ladies kind of liked the police officers, you know, and, you know, and, and I, w- I was young. You know, I, I joined the police department at 21 and, and I want to experience um, what, what, what I saw and what I thought that uh, the life of a cop would be. Um, and of course, once I joined, then I realized um, so, uh, some of that was the life. But it, it, it was more of a duty to um, come out and really just help people and support, you know, I, I've had a real good career. I've learned a lot of people. I've been exposed to a lot of people. You know, um, you know, I, I, I met you, Block, through yep. uh, my son training. But yep. I was able to meet Doc through you. Yeah. So um, um, it, it's been an interesting uh, career. You know, I, it's been a humbling experience. It's definitely a noble profession. Yep. Um, and the police department really did. It changed my life. And, and I think through my life, I've changed a lot of other people's lives. Uh, in, in my career, and, I, and I'm really excited. And I'm, I'm really excited that I chose this profession. So, good morning, Cap. Uh, sorry for my tardiness. I had a problem getting getting linked in this morning, so I apologize, guys. My brother, what's uh, up, V? Hey, what's going on, uh, fellas? Uh, hey, good morning. Good morning to everybody. Uh, so, I have a two part question, Cap. Uh, one, uh, some adversity that you saw and experienced growing up. Right. And then two, how does that impact your governing now as you become in a place of 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 leadership and you're 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 a captain now. So how do you govern differently because of your adverse situation that you had dealing with police situations growing up? Yeah. Great, great question. Great question. Um. I had a lot of adversity growing up. I grew up without a father. I, I think growing up, I, I may have seen my father uh, five times as a kid, maybe. Uh, he's soon passed now. Uh, we had a good relationship once I 
became an adult. Um, but I didn't have a father, so it was my mother. So we, I lived in apartments, didn't have much. Um, I remember a lot of times just eating bread and, and drinking water. or, or we, we had peanut butter and no jelly. And, you know, we had mayonnaise and, and no meat. You know, uh, we yep. had Kool-Aid, no sugar. <laughs> you know, still, still to this day, hey. I drink Kool-Aid. And, and, and my friends laugh at me, and they say, "Man, you still buy Kool Aid?" And I, I, I grew up on it. Yeah, you know, um, I, I know what it's like to use baking soda for a deodorant. You know, brush my teeth with baking soda. That's why my teeth so white now. You know, uh, gargling peroxide. So I, I mean, you know, walking to school as a kid. I mean, I never rode. I never rode the yellow bus because I always walked to school. Um, because I, I stayed right down the street. Uh, I stayed in Simpson Woods. I think it's. I don't know what it's called now. I think it's Collier Heights. And I went to Walter White Elementary School. And so we walked up Detroit Avenue. The bus didn't come in our apartment complex. You know, and then when we did run it, we were running late. I remember when it cost like 10 cents to get on the motor bus. And then we'd catch the motor bus oh. on our own as kids and, 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 and get off and, and cross the street and, and all that kind of thing. Coming home with a key around your neck and, you know, trying to figure out how you're going to cook something and eating at somebody else's house. And so. Uh, yeah, we had a lot. I mean, uh, not not having money, uh, cafeteria food, you know, eating on the free lunch meal. So yeah, I had I had a lot of adversity. Uh, it, it was a lot of lot of bad things going on around us, and uh, we just had to learn how to step up, you know. And and either we were going to either take part in it, or we were going to not take part in it. And um, and and most of my friends, for the most part, did okay. I mean, a lot of my friends you know, did go to jail and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, so, some experiences that we've all had, but for the most part, I mean, um, we didn't, we didn't do too bad. And, 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 you know, uh, I learned a lot of leadership growing up. You know, I, I had to learn how to say no a lot of times. And then I found out as an adult that me saying no, when I was a child, it actually made me a little better. And, 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 and it, it um, um, it made them respect me a little more because I was able to make my decision, you know, without uh, being influenced. Now, of course, you know, being a kid and growing up in the hood, I mean, of course, you're going to be influenced by some things. And then, you know, you just walk by the grace of God at that point. You don't realize it until you're an adult. Now, how that transferred into me being a uh, leader now and a police officer, I remember how I grew up. And I know that some things that people do, they not everything that people do is not always with the intent on hurting someone else. So I've learned how to kind of talk to people. I try to always find out why, not necessarily what you did, but why you did. What are your circumstances? What caused you to do those things? And then I, I, I used to hand down appropriate discipline based on what you did and based on the response that I got from you. You know, and a lot of times, man, these kids out here, man, just like us, man, we just needed guidance. And um, we, we've gotten away really from guidance. And um, that's a whole other story, man. We'll be on here all day, man. We start talking about churches and and um, uh, prayer and, and and just all the kind of things, man, that has been taken out of the school system. And yeah, let's you know, let's do it because that was going to be my next question: is faith. You know, when yeah. we talk about our big timers uh, from week to week, a, a strong faith is something that seems to underlie all of our big timers' achievements and success. Uh, talk to us about faith, and and I agree. What yeah. a loss of that faith is really. Uh, let this country go astray in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, I mean, we've gotten out of the churches. I mean, we grew up in the church. You know, we, we I remember when we were kids, the apartment complex I grew up is right next to a cemetery called Lincoln, um, Lincoln Memorial Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Man, we was afraid to go through that cemetery, man. <laughs> we definitely didn't play around in that cemetery at nighttime. 
Yeah. I mean, it's just certain things that we just avoided. You know, you, you, you didn't bother the church. You didn't bother the elderly people. You didn't bother the uh, little children. Yeah. I mean, uh, and a lot of it was cause, because of our, our fear of God, you know. But uh, we, we've gotten out of that now. I mean, nobody goes to church anymore. You know, nobody pray anymore. You know, we don't sit at the table at home. So we've lost a lot of values over the years as it relates to how we kind of grew up. Even though we grew up in the hood, man, we still had a bond. Yeah. A lot of these kids don't have the same kind of bond that we had. So I think that's where we lost it. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the one thing that I always talk about is whenever I see somebody with strong faith, they're always more successful. They're always uh, better able to handle tough situations. And that was really the thing when I got into medical school and I started to see patients that were experiencing, you know, the unsolvable problem. You got that brain cancer and you're, you're going to die and it's a certainty. How do you deal with that? You know, we call that the unsolvable problem. And you see that people with faith, just have an ability to take on this world and and be successful in this world, be content, be happy. And that's what got me saying, I got to look into this, you know, and I started reading the Bible. And the first thing I realized is there's a lot of good information in here about everything, about how to have a relationship with your wife, with your kids, with your family, how to save money. Uh, just every aspect of your life is discussed in the scriptures. And, you know, it's important for people to understand that true fulfillment in this life is to have a purpose, which usually stems from service to others. And when I saw what you guys were doing, the police athletic league, I mean, I remember you telling me the story about you've got this place where kids can come and they can, and, and play sports. They have a big gymnasium there. They have access to computers so that they can do their schoolwork. You have officers that are taking kids to their, to their activities, whether it be sports or school, sometimes staying at their own homes uh, when, it, when necessary. And the thing that stuck out to me most was used to talk about, we provide these kids three hot meals a day. And I remember you saying it with such pride. And it made me think to myself, like, this is a man who really understands service to others. And, you know, anybody who knows you knows you're like the nicest guy in the world. We were just joking before the show. This is the first time I've seen you in your uniform. And it's like got this different aura, right? You're just the, you know, you're not Captain Graham, the scary police chief or sorry, scary police captain. Uh, you're you're a genuinely good person. Talk to me about that stuff. Yeah, and that was near and dear to me, too, because I saw a lot of the kids come in and they was hungry. And just like I saw a lot of the kids come in that had holes in their shoes and didn't have clothes. And my son was fortunate enough to be able to eat, you know, every day, all day, what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, he was able to wear clothes and he had clothes in his closet which still had tags on them. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and I always used to tell him he was unappreciative, but, but of course, you know, that's my fault too. And that look, again, that's a whole nother story. But I will tell you one story that I saw and, and it was when I was new on over at PAL. I hadn't been over there, but maybe a couple of months at the time. And it was a kid that was in our cafeteria and he was putting food in his pocket. You know, uh, he was putting rice and bread and things in his pocket. So uh, one, one of my uh, employees got on to him and, and, you know, he was saying, hey, man, we're going to tell this kid he can't come back no more. And I said, no, no, hold on. Wait a minute. I said, let's find out what's going on. So I, I went and I talked with him and come to find out he was taking home, taking food home to his sister. Uh, the kid, I think at the time was about 10, 11 years old. And he had a, a little sister at the house that was about seven or eight. I mean, he, 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 he wasn't being provided food at the home. And he was coming up there just trying to take food back to his, uh, his little sister. 
So I, I said, no, man, we're not going to do that. So I told him, I said, look, man, you don't have to take the food, man. Whatever you want, man, just ask, man, and we'll provide whatever you want. So that was a story that that, that really uh, I used to tell people, and I still tell people that story now, and that's, that's a story that's going to go to the grave uh, with me without me telling people uh, because that was near and dear to me because I know how he felt, you know, being hungry sometimes. I mean, you know, uh, um, that's just what we go through uh, in certain neighborhoods that, you know, so, but that that, that touched me, so. That was in Captain Graham. That um, so now our audience is the middle school, right? So they are faced with an, just a gigantic and enormous pressures of the world today, right? So now I'm going through a a a kind of a bullying kind of situation, or I'm getting peer pressured into doing uh, joining gangs. Uh, talk to me. Talk 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 to the audience of and advise them of how they should, one, stay clear of that, but two, what are some methods that they can use? Uh, because, you know, we're, 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 as a kid, you think you got it, you got to figure it out, right? And, and, and who do you turn to? Another kid, yeah. right? So it's the blind leading the blind. So now you can advise, uh, advise these children of little methods from, 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 from your adult standpoint of how they should navigate themselves in a wise way. Yeah. That, that's a tough one. Um, considering the background that some of these kids are faced with, faced with and, and some of the communities, communities that they live in. But the first thing they need to do is advise an adult and advise an adult that's close to them. That'd be their mother, their father, their uncle, you know, the, their big brother. Uh, and yeah, but what if their situation dictates that? Yeah, and, 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 and I was going to move on a little further. And then at that point, you, you stayed at middle school. Most of the middle schools that I know of have what is called resource officers within the school. Yep. So you all you, you have your teachers that you can go to. You have your administrators, whether it be council members or your principal. And you also have your resource officer. But what you want to do is you want to let everybody know who's in an authoritative position what kind of pressure that you're under. Um, and that that's going to be your first step. And then you, you have to just hope that the people that you go to uh, provide you that service that you really need to prevent you from um, being personally attacked and or going down that road. Hopefully there'll be a person that'll talk with you. So, Cal, so, so going through what we're going through between like, like, like the big timers, like we, we kind of put it together, kind of help the kids. And then, and then also it was kind of like bridging the, Bridging the gap, you know what I'm saying, between the neighborhoods or us civilians and the police. Cause you know how we do. We damn near inherit F the police and don't trust the police. And what's the good ways for people to come and, and get the trust, uh, get to know the police or trust the police? You know? Good question. That is, that, that, that's an amazing question. As a matter of fact, that's a question that I've never been asked before. Other than we always talking about bridging the gap through uh, community meetings, uh, coming to the precinct and talk. We've gotten away from um, officers in the schools when it comes to um, what, what we used to call them when we were kids. When the cops came to school, I, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, um, uh, Officer friendly, I think. Yeah. We've gotten away from that. Yeah. Um, and then the, I, I think one of the bigger issues is that most of the time people see the police as already in a bad light. Yep. Yeah. So when it, yeah, so when it's in a bad light, or sometimes uh, police officers, we are human, but that, that that don't give us an excuse or a pass 
to be disrespectful. But a lot of times when we're already in a bad light, sometimes we, we, we kind of shed that bad energy off where we are. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's something that I try to work on with my staff um, and talk to them about, hey, don't quit, don't forget that we are here serving, you know, and um, whatever we say to the people, I mean, that, that's what they're going to run with. So you have to be real, real careful how you come off. So a lot of times I, I'm coming off real, real nice. And that kind of thing, because I know, first of all, I know how I would want to be treated, mm-hmm. and uh, especially when it comes to children. I mean, they really don't understand. They just see a police officer in uniform, and um, they, it, they, it's intriguing. Yep. So when they come up to us, you know, then we, we, we definitely need to talk to them a lot more. Um, and I, I think we can do better in that area, but we, we, we I think we are doing better uh, mm-hmm. in that area. That, that perception, too, is a two-way street, and that's one of the things that we've been trying to promote on this show is that – you know, we have these preconceived notions of people like, I guess we call them prejudices, right? You see the police and you have a certain feeling about what they're going to be. Or if you see somebody of a different race or whatever, you have preconceived notions about them. And the reality is lots of people out there want to help. You know, I, I, we talk about this all the time on the show. I mean, Block and Veron are two of my best friends. I don't mm-hmm. think we ever talk about what race we are. Nope. And I know you've had con- uh, conversations, you and I've had conversations about sometimes uh, some of these uh, inner city kids uh, feel like they've never seen a white person and they don't, you know, they don't know what to think about it. And it kind of opened my eyes a little bit that we really do have some uh, bridges that we need to cross. And, you know, my observations of the uh, police officers, you guys have nothing but love in your heart for these kids and really have a desire to just help them. You know, it's not about punishing or, or anything like that. It's about giving a hand up and, and a helping hand forward. And that's what we want to do with the Big Timers uh, Foundation. That's what we want to do with our Big Timers uh, audience and members. We want to connect people and we want to get them doing positive activities and we want to get them to uh, be able to see mentorship from people that have kind of been through life and been through some of the same problems that they're experiencing and give them give them some life lessons to help them navigate the world as they're experiencing it. Yes. And and the other thing I want to point out too about uh, the kids and how they feel the way we feel. Every time I see a parent when I'm in uniform and they say, Hey officer, um, Hey, put, go, go put him in jail. Or, <laughs> or Hey, you see that officer right there? You keep being bad. We're going to have him lock you up. So what happens is over the years, it, it manifests into our brain. Yeah, and it becomes our mentality. So we need to stop telling our young yep. kids when they see the officer over there. Hey, I'm gonna have him put you in jail, you know, because yep. that's not all we do. We just don't put people. In, we put people in jail that's doing something wrong, yeah, you know. But that that's not our primary focus. Our primary focus is to come out here, sir, ride right up around, ride right up and down these streets, and make sure that you guys feel safe. That's our primary focus is. And you put the person in jail that's compromising you guys' safety. That's what we do. We don't just put people in jail because they're talking back. That's a mama problem or a daddy problem. Yeah, that's how. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, that, that's that's what um, I, I hate when I hear those parents say that. So I, I, I correct them. You know, and another thing I correct too when I see these kids walking around with their pants hanging out. Hey man, pull your pants up. You know, so I, I just do. I, that's just something that I just do. Well, I've been with you uh, going around the neighborhood and just sort of patrolling. And, uh, you know, for people who don't know you, you stop on the street corner, you call kids over and you give them advice. You talk to them about what's going on in their lives and you just have this general genuine love for your community. And, you know, trying to duplicate that is is something special. And that's what we're trying to do here. What advice would you give to middle middle school kids to keep them on the on the straight and narrow path? 
Stay in school. Pay attention. Do your homework. When the teacher says you only need 15 minutes a day after school, they are so correct. Just take your 15 minutes. Then after your 15 minutes is up, you can go and play and do whatever you want and then repeat it the next day. If you do what the adults tell you to do, I promise you, you will be successful. Hey, hey, hey Cap, I tell so I tell my boys that all the time. I said, man, if I, if I only would just listen to my mama, but she told me so. Because I ride down the street now, and I'm laughing at how they they, they playing me. I'm like, man, I know, man, I know what you was doing. I know how you was doing that. So I had to call my mama one time and said, mama, boy, I really, hey, man, I really got to apologize to you. She said, man, I know what you were doing. I know when you was going up the street doing it. I know when you were driving them cars. I know when you were trying to do this and that. You know, I just prayed for you. So... Saying all that, I think one of the codes that me and the doc and Veron are always talking about up here, I mean, at, at the big time, we trying to steal certain, certain values, values in these kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause you know, a lot of this stuff is taught at home or should be taught at home. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. These, you know, these kids are wild now because there's nobody at home teaching them. No, that's wrong. No, do better. No, stay in school. You know what I'm saying? Nah, get on that social media. Like, do y'all have anything at the the APD that people can come and like like tour the place or talk to y'all stuff like that? Uh, we always have community engagement, yeah. And of course, PAL is one of them. But we uh, have a unit called Cops. Uh, that's a community oriented policing section. They'll be glad to tour. Yeah, we they, they'll set up any kind of tools that uh, anybody want to have. Um, they'll set that up for you. That that that, that that'll be easy. Awesome. Hey, Captain Graham, I got a, 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 a real good one. Um, so now just take it. You know, we 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 are we are at a place right now where, OK, I messed up. I did something wrong. I paid my government. Just, you know, we all been there. Like, you know, Block has a story. Right. But look how successful he is. He's able to turn that around, make it a positive. What advice would you give to kids that now got themselves in a predicament, right? But that's not the end of the world. Like, your your life is not over because you made a bad decision or you made – now now you paid your – go do the right thing, pay the, pay the price because you're going to have to pay the price. That, that bill is going to come due, right? And then how do you – now what would you advise them how to turn around that situation? What, what, what the first thing you have to do is you have to um, accept responsibility first. You have to accept responsibility first. And after you accept responsibility, that's when you need to start your motion on asking for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness through your community. Ask for forgiveness through your Savior. Uh, that's the next step. Mm-hmm. And then once you identify that you made a mistake and admit that you made a mistake, then you go and then you ask for your forgiveness. Now you have to show the people that you know you made a mistake and you have to show the people that your forgiveness would not be unwarranted. And then you have to move forward and be strong and have to understand that you're going to face some tough times for sure now, but you got to keep pushing through. You just got to keep pushing and eventually it'll open up. That's an underlying theme that we hear from all of our big timers on this show. 
And one of the things that we're trying to accomplish is connecting people in our communities with uh, positive activities. So we're going to get some of our big timers out doing MMA activities. We've got ideas about uh, getting together and doing some golf and horseback riding and really connecting people with what's possible, uh, getting people with mentors that can teach them about successful activities, successful behaviors, you know, what we call values, the, 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 um, habits is what we call it. You know, if you, the early bird gets the worm, you know, it's like these things that you do on a day to day basis that lead to eventual success, even though we know that you're going to have your ups and downs and you're going to have your trials and tribulations along the way, but a constant uh, vigilance towards living a a good life is going to open more doors than it closes. What can we do to show these kids what the other side looks like? You know, seeing what the inside of a jail cell looks like and, and, and uh, things that can happen to them if they make the wrong decisions in life. Well, Fulton County Sheriff Department did have a, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called, um, where they took the kids over and then let them tour the jail. I, oh, I can't remember. I'm drawing a Scared straight. Scared straight. That's, yep. Uh, That's uh, going way no back. Long, Yeah, since COVID, they stopped it. So I don't know of any other program where they can go actually see the jail. The only thing that I think, can think of right now is we, we just have to just promote it through education. Uh, just continue to bring the kids to police precincts uh, and set up a time for them to talk uh, and for us to talk. Uh, also, I think sometimes uh, good. we used to set up times where they would come in. We had kids coming and we just had officers talk to them. So those are, are actually good to set up sometimes as well. But as far as touring the jail, that, that's the Fulton County Sheriff, and they no, they no longer do the scare straight since uh, COVID. We're going to have to look at reopening that that activity again because I think that was a very effective means at getting kids to uh, think twice about the decisions that they make in life. And hopefully we can have a more positive impact on them and help them make better decisions. Captain Graham, what's the one piece of advice you would give to these middle schoolers to keep them on the straight and narrow course? What was it in your own life that helped you go down the the right path and avoid the wrong path? Uh, Three words, love, honor, and respect. That's that's a perfect statement. That's uh, something that we see with all of our big timers. Love, what was it? Love, Uh, honor, and respect. And respect. Yeah. And not only to others, but to yourself. And, you know, I always talk to my kids about when you show respect to other people, it doesn't matter about the other person. What you're really doing is honoring yourself. And that's a really important aspect. Captain Graham, thank you so much for being a part of the Big Timers uh, Doc in the Block show. Yes, sir. Everybody go to BigTimers.com, DocintheBlock.com. Captain Graham, thank you so much. We're going to have you back again. Big Block. Veron, have a great week. Have a great See you week. See guys next time. Captain Graham, right, you are a big time. All right, thank you for having me. Yeah, <laughs>